Hello and welcome to Straight Talk, Supply Chain Insights, the podcast for your supply chain leader who is on the go and wants to be in the know. And now, your host, Laura Ciceri. Welcome to Straight Talk with Supply Chain Insights. My name is Laura Ciceri and I'm the founder of Supply Chain Insights. And today I want to give you an overview of the supply chains to admire methodology and a contrast to the Gartner Top 25 for 2020. This is a teaser to encourage you to join us for our webinar on June 16th at 11 o'clock Eastern to get more details. But what I want to do is to give you a grounding through this dialogue so I can appeal to you to come. I have spent a decade studying supply chain excellence and the more I study it, the more that I know there is to learn because the supply chain is a complex nonlinear system that requires us to manage a balanced scorecard. But what we manage are functional metrics which throw the supply chain out of balance and we don't hold ourselves accountable to balance sheets. So what I wanna do is give you an overview of the methodologies and really have you start to think with your team about what is supply chain excellence? There's no perfect methodology and I wanna be sure that you understand the pros and cons of both of the methodologies. So first of all, the Gartner Top 25 in his 17th year, I was actually part of the Gartner Top 25 when it was the AMR Research Top 25 17 years ago. And for many years, I would give input into the Gartner Top 25, then the AMR Top 25. And I never felt like I was really knowledgeable to do that. I was being asked to grade supply chains I didn't know. And often the supply chain leaders would become very, very much marketing guys. And they would bring you know, their PR agencies and Pepsi would bring their coolers and they would try to really influence our votes. And I felt like there was never a good way that I could get information. So with that as a backdrop, what I did was I, basically said, how can I create something that's more data-driven, but let me not get ahead of myself. Let me go through the methodologies. So the Gartner Top 25 basically takes very large companies, 15 billion minimal annual revenues, roughly 300 companies, and puts them in a spreadsheet. And that spreadsheet compares company to company, but doesn't really compare it to a peer group. And so as a result, you're comparing a chemical company to a business to business technology company, or you're comparing a household durable company to a retail broadline company. And that penalizes companies that have different operating models by industry. So one of the things that I think is really essential that we've done in the supply chains to admire is compare companies by peer group and to ask the question, how is the company doing relative to peer group? Are they driving improvement? Are they outperforming? And are they driving value? We don't have any limit on the number of winners per peer group. And likewise, there may not be a winner by industry. The other thing is we are taking a longer view in the supply chains to admire 2011 to 2020, whereas the Gartner Top 25 is looking at a shorter term view And it depends upon which metric they're looking at, but it is looking at two to three years. And the calculation is based 50% opinion. Remember when I talked about that I was an analyst and I was asked for my opinion. 
and it has peer voting. So if a company is perceived to be a leader, then there is a higher propensity for them to make the Gartner top 25. And that may not be based upon balance sheet. So, so far we got big companies, we've got a lot of lobbying, and we've got companies that are out there talking about supply chain performance that will typically get the opinion votes. And we've got a short-term analysis that looks at return on plan assets, which is basically given a formula which rewards more recent values and inventory averages for 2018 to 2020, revenue growth, which basically rewards recent revenue and doesn't really compare it to peer group and doesn't look at a longer term view. And you've got a sustainability component score, which is an index of third party environmental, social and governance measures. And in our heart, we also really embrace the ability to measure environmental, social, and governance measures, but we can't find what we consider to be a good source of data, just like we can't find a good source of data for customer service. So in the supply chains to admire, we're looking at balance sheet data, we're looking at how the company drove improvement versus the peer group in a methodology that we call the supply chain index, which looks at the vector analysis of an orbit chart, and I'll explain what that is. We look at performance of year-over-year revenue growth, operating margin, inventory turns, return on invested capital. And the reason why we're looking at margin versus cost is we're looking at the total company performance, not just cost, and we're really looking at supply chain as it ties from the customer's customer to supplier's supplier, not supply chain as a function. And so we, answer, we do the analysis by first asking the question, is the company driving improvement better than the peer group? Second question is, are they outperforming in these four factors at a higher level than the peer group? And improvement versus performance is tricky because if you're a top performer, it's hard to drive improvement. It's sort of like losing weight. If you've got a lot of weight to lose, it's easier. But if you're really lean, it's hard to drive improvement. And then the question is, are they driving value? So value is either measured by price to tangible book or market capitalization. That is an or condition. So companies can make these three factors by driving improvement faster than two thirds of the peer group, driving performance in the four factors, and either meeting the price to tangible book or market capitalization figure. So what happens is Regina, God love her, takes all of the data from Y charts, which is a syndicated data source for us of all the reported balance sheet information. We suck that in and we divide the companies by peer groups. And that is not easy because we have spent you know, all of these years just determining what is a peer group. And we have a lot of debates about, you know, if this company should be in this peer group or if there's been merger acquisition that causes too much noise. There's a lot of dialogue around the peer group, but the peer group analysis is extremely important. This is an analysis of the differences in the methodology. And I'm just gonna say, 
There are pluses and minuses for each methodology. And when you look at the data, you should look at it with the understanding of the pluses and minuses. So comparison in a nutshell, supply chains to Meyer is data-driven. There is no opinion. It is all based upon the balance sheet results. It's comparison to a peer group. So every company is assigned to a peer group and it's looking at a long view. It's looking at the progress over a decade. So the four companies in the methodology that the Gartner Top 25 and the supply chains to admire agree on are Apple, Inditex, which you may know Inditex by Zara, AbbVie in the pharmaceutical industry and Nike. These are the four companies that we agree on. We don't agree on the rest. And if you wanna know the other 19 companies, you need to attend our webinar, which is on June 16th at 11 o'clock Eastern. And in this deck, I provide the link for you to sign up for the webinar. So when you look at the comparison to the peer group for 2011 to 2020, and you look at the Gartner top 25 performance by peer group, you find that those that are in the Gartner top 25 plus add five companies that are called master, which means they're never evaluated. They're just always put in this outperforming bucket. So you've got 30 companies, 75% of the companies in this Gartner analysis underperformed on growth compared to performance by peer group for 2011 to 2020. 29% underperformed on margin and 42% underperformed on inventory turns. Now, why is this? Well, if you remember, we're taking the long view and also we're looking at growth, not factored over time, but the long view because we're looking at year over year performance and the patterns because based upon our research, you do not change supply chain strategy quickly. It's sort of like the Titanic, it's a big boat. It takes three years to really drive improvement and companies that have driven improvement really well are companies like Ecolab or Schneider Electric that have a clear strategy that are driving year over year performance. Most companies have degradation in performance because they're measuring functional metrics. So what do I mean by a functional metric? A functional metric is like OEE, which is looking at operational efficiency by manufacturing or purchase price variance. It's looking at what is the price variance of procurement, but not really looking at total cost. Only 29% of companies can get to total cost and few can get to margin. So when you look at the Gartner top 25 versus supply chains to admire, Keep this in mind. And the perspective of the companies, <clears throat> as you look at those four metrics and you look at the deviations of the peer group versus the company averages for that period, you can see there's some pretty big gaps. <clears throat> so why is this? Well, again, it's because Gartner is not measuring per peer group. Gartner is not looking at the long view and it's a different set of metrics. So let's look at some orbit charts for the Gartner top 25 winners. This is Procter & Gamble. When I first started my research, I thought that Procter & Gamble was very, very good at supply chain. In fact, they were my gold standard. 
And I had a lot of companies say, I'm not so sure, Laura, that Procter & Gamble should be the gold standard. But Procter & Gamble does an amazing job talking about what they do well, which is manufacturing standardization and operations reliability. But P&G is 1% below the peer group, minus one growth, and the industry average is 2% and they are below the peer group on return on invested capital. Now you can see that they had a little circular period as they went through a lot of merger and acquisition activity and 2020 is a good period for them. And you can actually see that the pattern at the operations level of inventory turns and operations margin is pretty good for PNG. Where they are not good is at growth. Similarly to Unilever, they are driving improvement pattern, but again, they're underperforming in growth. Let's look at Amazon. Amazon underperforms in both margin and inventory turns against the e-commerce sector, and they also underperform in growth. However, no one can doubt that Amazon was a leader in developing e-commerce, executing an e-commerce, but they don't fit the definitions of the supply chain Studmeyer. And you might say, mm, that's a weakness, but at the same time, you've got to embrace the e-commerce peer group and look at it as an opportunity for e-commerce companies. Apple is a strong outperformer to B2B technology. You can see B2B technology is a peer group over here on the left-hand side with 6% margin, 8.46 in inventory turns whereas Apple has a 28% margin and a 58 inventory turns, incredible, because it's such a unique business model. And in fact, you might say having Apple in the rankings isn't really fair. And we run it both ways because it's such a unique business model. I think I read the other day that every hour, Apple makes $800 million. It's an incredible money-making machine. But note that Apple's performance is declining. It's degrading over time. Now, will it ever reach the B2B technology peer group? Doubtful. But it is degrading, and there's an opportunity for Apple to rethink what they're doing. Now, let's take Cisco, which was the number one supply chains to uh, number one Gartner top 25 pick. And you can see Cisco has a 24% margin and 12.29 inventory turns versus the industry average of 12% margin and roughly 13 inventory turns. However, growth for Cisco is significantly below the peer group. The Gartner top 25 is selectively picking companies that are underperforming in growth. And you can also see that the B2B technology or telecommunications technology peer group is struggling with the current processes to maintain inventory turns and to maintain margin, which is an opportunity for us to rethink supply chain. Here's number two company, Colgate Palmolive, the industry standard for you know, saying that if you have IT standards that you're gonna drive great things. Now you notice that Colgate Palmolive has a 24% margin and a five inventory turn. But look at the degradation in inventory turns 2019 to 2020 against the, the peer group, the pattern. But also notice that 
but growth is significantly below the industry. Now, Colgate is not only very religious about IT standards, but also Colgate is very heavily controlled by finance and, um, you know, very traditional in marketing. And so as you look at brand and market share, there's an opportunity there for the supply chain to do more around test and learn and new business models. Now let's look at Johnson and Johnson. Johnson and Johnson's growth was 3% while the industry grew at 6%. 26% margin, 2.92 inventory turns versus the pharmaceutical average of 22% margin and 2.58 turns. So you might say, well, Johnson and Johnson's doing pretty well. Well, I don't know that growth half the industry average is doing well. And also Johnson & Johnson is very heavily controlled by financials. They have a very regional model with regional governance. It's a struggle for them to get the synergies across the regions. Each region is, has the ability to do their own thing. And you can see that the margin and over time, as we look at 2016 to 2020, is slipping and that there's a lack of resilience there because Johnson & Johnson has not been a leader in process development and analytics. Three divisions, well, actually more than three, but they fall into three major peer groups, pharmaceutical, medical device, and also consumer. So you might say, well, is J&J a winner in medical device? No. Are they a winner in consumer products? No. And you might say, well, why don't you break them into three different peer groups and analyze them? Well, that data is just not available. So we selectively put them in the pharmaceutical peer group just to give them the best chance to winning. And you can see that even still, they don't measure up on growth. Now, Schneider Electric is an interesting one because Schneider is very close to making the supply chains to admire. They have driven improvement year over year. I love Annette Clayton and Murad's work on supply chain strategy, their end-to-end -end work. One of the best examples in the industry of really having a clear strategy. Even still, they're below the industry performance on growth and in inventory, even though they're driving remarkable improvement. I keep waiting for that improvement to break into breakthrough performance. I'm a big fan of Schneider Electric, but they're slightly under today on both growth and inventory. And so they barely miss the winner's circle. But Schneider Electric folks, keep trying because you're really close. And then the last one I'm going to cover is Nestle. So I'm trying to give you examples of orbit charts and how we do the methodology. You can see Nestle has margin that's above the peer group at 16%, but their turns are below the peer group and their rate of growth is also below the peer group. So let's just take a deep breath. What defines supply chain excellence? There is no perfect methodology. And what we have to do is learn from each methodology to be able to reflect on the definition of supply chain excellence because we must first define strategy, then policy, then rule sets. And the discussion on supply chain excellence is extremely important to be able to drive improvement. 
The second thing is business leaders' perception of corporate performance are not in alignment with actual results. What you'll see in the supply chains to admire, many companies that you may not have ever heard of will make it into the winner's circle, outpacing the large companies because they're very focused on customer service. They've got a business model that aligns the organization and there's a lot to learn from that. And so we try to reward and tell those stories. Only 4% of companies across our analysis outperform their peer group in all four of these factors. And we think it matters because based upon the correlations that we did with Arizona State University, the Department of Statistics, when you outperform in these four factors, growth, margin, inventory turns, and return on invested capital, you have a higher probability of driving market capitalization and price to tangible book. Is it guaranteed? No, it's not a perfect correlation, but with any social science, there is a correlation. And we also think sector analysis matters. You can't just put all companies in a spreadsheet and shake it up. So that's our summary. And we invite you to attend our Supply Chains to Admire webinar. This is a teaser for that webinar. We hope to see you there. And we're gonna have some people on the webinar that are actually award winners. And we will also have presentations from the Supply Chains to Admire award winners at our conference on September 7th through the 9th. And we encourage you to join us because we think supply chain excellence matters. This is Laura Ciceri. I hope to see you at the webinar and at the conference. Until then. Thank you.